Today on a special episode, we'll be answering listener questions. This is Doctor versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asatoja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Now, every episode, what we usually do is I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. But today is a special episode. Today, we're not going to be picking any topics or questions, right, Ali? Correct, unless you're surprising me. Uh, no, today we'll be answering listener questions about all things comedy, doctoring, and really everything else. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. We have Let's our do list it. here. Okay, so I'll start off because it's a question for you. It's also a question for me in brackets, but I'll ignore it. Mm. Question from Jessica. Did Asif ever end up seeing Barbie? Curious what you thought of it. That's an interesting question. Just by the way, so people know, these are some questions that we received recently. Some of the other ones are feedback we've gotten over the past couple episodes, some from a few months ago that we just never got around to addressing. So, so this is a, stalling, Asif. This you is know, a recent people one. People want to know about yeah, Barbie. I know. So Barbie, I did end up seeing it. And so I've okay. now I've done the Barbie Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer double feature. And I like Barbie. It's a very, very good film. Greta Gerwig is the director and writer. It's just well done. It's one of those movies where I had no idea what was going to happen from one scene to the next. That's a great movie to see. Even if you've seen the trailers, you honestly have no idea what's going to happen. I thought the acting was great. Margot Robbie is amazing. I, By the way, I read because she was also a producer on this. She, she's estimated to make $50 million from this movie. Yeah. And the movie's grossed over a billion dollars. It's oh great. God. Gosling is great. Ryan Gosling. Why is Jessica asking that question? You have to refresh my memory. What did you say on this Because podcast? I had seen Oppenheimer, and I talked about the pros and cons of that, but I said I hadn't seen Barbie yet. So I think Oh, Jessica but you didn't just, have like a negative attitude about no, it? No, no, right? no, no. I was, I was, I was, you know, I'm, 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 I was pretty optimistic about it. And like I said, I think it's, it's really good. I mean, I do think it probably thinks it's about slightly more clever than it really is. I think... You know, there's been lots of take, you know, the Lego movie is, a, is another one where they're kind of taking this idea of Lego and kind of modernizing and, and making some comments about it. So I think it was good. I think there's some criticisms about, oh, you know, it's anti-men and whatever. Those people are ridiculous when they talk about that. It's craziness. And I think it, the way it, it resolves, which I won't spoil. but Don't you it, do it. It just makes you think, you know, that there's no magic solutions to the way that women are treated in society. So anyway, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was quite good. I did think Will Ferrell's character is basically the same character what? he plays in Will, uh, Ferrell. Will Ferrell's in it. Basically the same character he plays in the Lego movie. So there was a couple of things I was a bit un unclear about. But overall, I thought it was great. Everybody should watch it. It's it's totally fun. I feel like, given that it's made a billion, anyone who was going to watch this movie has watched this movie. Yeah, I guess so. Have you this seen it, though? Thing. That was the other I question. I have not. I was, I was never... I mean, it wasn't... It didn't feel, like, interesting enough to me. I was more interested because everyone who saw it was surprisingly impressed by it. Yeah, so I, I, I like, would oh, see it. And in terms of humor, I'm like I said, it's uh, Ryan Gosling, I think is so funny. I love Ryan Gosling. I'll see anything with Ryan Gosling. That's, so that's is Michael Cera. 
who plays Alan. Oh, you're blowing uh, my he, mind with this cast. I didn't even and, know. And, and my wife and a lot of women who've seen it know, like, all the Barbies are actually real Barbies that they made. So they actually made a character called Alan, who's supposed to be Ken's best friend, who has real hair, whereas Ken has plastic hair. Mm. And he's great. Michael Sears is amazing. And then there's a whole thing you'll see when you watch the movie about Push, the song by Matchbox 20. And so I won't ruin it for you, but it's hilarious. It's so good. You've already ruined it. You've do? already said too much. Okay. Anyway, hilarious? so that's the answer to Jessica's question. But I have a question for you, Ali. This is from Dina. She says, my kids are big fans of yours. She means you, Ali. From seeing you on Odd Squad, was this role or any other characters in other TV shows you've done specifically designed for you? Uh, I guess she's implying she sees a lot of you in that character in Odd Squad. So maybe talk about this character in Odd Squad, and then you can answer the question. Mm. Uh, by the way, this this preamble of hers that, you know, my kids are big fans of yours, very, very common that somebody is right in front of me saying, hey, my kids are big fans of yours, or my parents are big fans of yours. And then I have to sort of stare at them and be like, and you? No, don't care for you. Don't know who you are. But I do love that uh, there's, I, I'm meeting like 18-year-olds at this point who watched me on Odd Squad. It's, uh, Odd Squad is... Really one of the greatest kid shows that I've ever seen, an honor to be part of. It really like racked up a whole bunch of kids' Emmys, well-deserved. It was this this crew, this duo, and their entire team. Think of like a sort of a, a James Bond type of thing. They were like, kind of like spies who would go on these adventures, so to speak, to, uh, or not adventures, how would missions, you describe Missions, it? missions. Missions. Oh my God, say. I'm such a non-nerd. <laughs> Embarrassed. They would go on missions to find out like what happened to something. And it was always math involved in there. Mm -hmm. And you would have no idea as a kid that you're learning and appreciating math as you're watching it, which is great, huh? You always want to sneak in that math covertly. Mm -hmm. This is one of the greatest things for me because... As an actor, especially when I was first starting, you audition. That's just part of the process. You don't like it. Sometimes, even though you know the director, one of the leads, you still have to audition because for propriety's sake, everybody should at least, you know, get themselves on tape. You have to have this sort of paper trail or whatever you want to call it, video trail. So everybody really auditions for roles they get. And this was one where my agent was like, you booked a role on this. And I was like, okay, when's the audition? He goes, no, there's no audition. You booked the role. And I said, I don't, I was like, I don't get it. What do you, so, so I don't have to go to audition. He had to write back to me in caps. There is no audition. I repeat, no audition appear here on Monday. You've got this role. And what had happened, I, I found out later was that they were missing, you know, the episodes are about 12 minutes each and they were missing about 45 seconds. And so they were like, oh, we're shy 45 seconds on this episode. How do we fill this? And they just, you know, one of the writers just thought of this. Well, what if Delivery Debbie, who was already a character on the show, has a nemesis named Delivery Doug? So Delivery Debbie delivers pizza and Delivery Doug could also have a pizza box, but he delivers egg salad sandwiches <laughs> as one does. So that was it. Just to fill 45 seconds, we met at the intersection. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Doug. My company's going great. My company's also going, oh, I hate Doug. It was just a weird, mm -hmm. uh, almost you know, borderline sort of contrived meeting. But they really liked the dynamic between us. 
And they were like, hey, I think we happened upon a character here. And so I think by the end, I was on 11 or 12 more episodes before it was all uh, done. Different iterations of Odd Squad when it became Odd Squad Mobile Unit. And, this, and so Delivery Doug was somebody who would come back. And the company who produces it have had me come in for other roles as well. The company's called Sinking Ship. Pretty much everything they do is like kids focused and really great. Mm -hmm. So I've, it's been a pleasure. And all the, the, everything I've done in the kids world pretty much has stemmed from that 45 second, you know, I was available, they needed something to fill and it turned into like a significant part of my career where people write in or, or talk to me and say, my kids are big fans. It's great. It's been wonderful. But have there been other roles where it's specifically designed for you? They're like, we want you to be playing this character. Yeah. It happens where people will say that to me. Mm-hmm. Whether other people around them agree with that or not is a whole different story, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody will be like, I right. wrote this character with you in mind. And then a producer will be like, no, we don't need Ali Hassan for this. We'll use this person. Then the writer's like, oh, okay, fine. I'm not, <laughs> I, I renege all rights when I sold this thing to you anyway. So yeah, no, it happens a fair amount that people will say, I have this character in mind for you. But there's many, many steps between the envisioning mm -hmm. of a show to the actual production. So I don't take that as like, looks like I got another role more often than not. Vast majority of times it doesn't result in something, but it is always flattering. And I always like that, mm -hmm. that people think of me for, for roles too. Okay. Okay. Another question from Patricia for Asif. It sounds as if Asif has a sweet tooth. From the way Ali makes fun of him. Me make fun? Impossible. What is your favorite candy, Asif? Asif also seems to be a foodie. What is your favorite restaurant you've ever been to? Wow, okay, that's a lot. We're being asked about food. Not yeah, I know, eh? That's the, that's the embarrassment of the I'm whole too busy thing. making fun of you and not, not letting people know that I used to be a chef and a no, caterer. We, anyway, we all know right. that, but you'll be like, oh, I'm eating all vegan for the next three months. Uh, how <laughs> interesting is that? Not very. <laughs> so favorite candy. Okay, so let's divide it up. So actual candy. Now, you want to like, pull out a graph about? or a pie chart for this? This is a very difficult question, isn't it? So yeah, I think an actual candy would be like Twizzlers or Nibs. I think, you know, like... An nibs! I know, I know. You can nibs. go my whole life without another nib. Good Lord. <laughs> no, I think those are good. Not when they're stale, though, then they become bad. And not black licorice. Come on. Ridiculousness. If it's a chocolate kind of candy that you eat, like, that's in little pieces, it's chocolate-covered almonds, for sure. Like, they are the height of candy. Oh, you and also hate dark chocolate. You yeah, should let yeah, people dark know chocolate that. Is for, it's ridiculous. If it has anyway. any hint of a health benefit... Asif is throwing it on the ground and stomping it out with his heel. That's what I'm going to tell you. Chocolate bars. Okay, I'll finish with this part of the question with the chocolate bars. So I do exactly. like a Mr. Big. I don't know how common a Mr. Big is in the U.S., though. I think they may be a mainly Canadian, though I think you can get them in the States, but not as often. So Mr. Big is just a great chocolate bar. People read up on that if they haven't had it. But the actual stealth best chocolate bar is a Kit Kat Chunky. Not a regular Kit Kat, but it's like they take a Kit Kat wafer and they blow it up to like jumbo size. And that is a great chocolate bar. Kit Kat on steroids. Yes. The other question was about favorite restaurant. I mean, there's been so many. In fact, it's, I have a new favorite restaurant in the world, and I just went there in the summertime when I was in Copenhagen. This is a restaurant called Alchemist. Alchemist is in Copenhagen. The head chef there is a guy named Rasmus Monk. That sounds like a made-up name, you know? It does. 
Yeah. So basically this is, I am very into restaurants that are now trying to become, it's like going to the theater, the performance and the experience is, is it's just, it's Which more than I can't food. believe that. So goes against everything I know about you over the years. I thought you would roll your eyes till they fall out of your head to go to a theatrical performance restaurant i thought you'd be like just give yeah. me the food losers i can picture 10 year ago us if saying those exact words there is a bit of pretentiousness about this and i think that that is you have to be very careful about this so this guy rasmus you know there's different food movements that have gone over the years molecular gastronomy buying local to either your city or country right and that's been popularized in denmark for many years but his thing is utilizing invasive species so invasive plants and invasive animals so jellyfish certain crabs these are things that are invasive in denmark and off the coast of denmark so he's using those so he's trying to help the environment and the ecosystem by using these and he does things where he calls attention to like child labor by giving you because lots of chocolate is like made in West Africa and there's all child labor used. So they give you a piece of chocolate that's shaped like a coffin, like a child's coffin, you know, or mm. they'll give you for dessert, it's an ice cream made with blood, like a blood pudding ice cream to draw attention to the lack of blood donations in Denmark. And, and the food there. remains appetizing despite these so uh, This is the key. If images it was, of death. If, yes. If it was just these messages and the food was bad, I'd be like, this is not enjoyable. But, but for me, a restaurant, the number one goal is food has to taste good. Ali and I have talked about this many times offline. I don't care as long as the food tastes good. And there was probably like, there's 50 courses in this thing, all very small. But I would say probably 10 of them were amazing, like absolutely amazing. And he does stuff like they serve bread with mold on it, penicillin, to kind of draw attention that you shouldn't be throwing out moldy bread necessarily. Now, obviously, you have to know what kind of mold and if it's toxic to you or not. But and that was a delicious course. It was moldy bread. It was amazing. You know what I mean? Uh, funny story. I, went with I someone, don't. I went with someone who was allergic to penicillin. They're like, I, I didn't tell them my allergies to medicines when I uh, <laughs> made the reservation. So it was really funny. So anyway. On my Instagram, you guys can see some pictures of some of the dishes on there if you guys want to take a look. Dude, so, that is very funny, by the way. That's like a funny sketch. I have an allergy to dust. Okay, we'll scratch item number seven from the menu for you. What? What, what was seven going to be? <laughs> and then I'll tell you two things, which, which are a secret, but you guys can probably, if you want to, look it up. So there are two rooms in this restaurant. The first one, when you walk into, it was like a woman <laughs> dancing in front of a mirror. And... Then they give you a little thing to, to signify the plight of dancers and all the bad uh, pay and wage <laughs> that's right, inequity. That's right. And then you go into the main area and you eat, and then there's another area. There's a whole LED screen in the main dining room, which changes. It will be jellyfish on the screen when you're eating jellyfish. Oh, another one, it's they want to draw you the plight to, you know, how we keep chickens in cages when they're not free run. And so it's all chickens in cages while you're eating chicken. So they do things like that. And then afterwards, after you're done in, in the main dining, before dessert, they're like, okay, you need to take out all your cell phones and jewelry and put them in this box. And then uh, I won't tell you what happens, but they take you in a room and something else happens. But these rooms, these extra rooms, they change over time. But again, it's to be this more of an experience. 
And so that was a lot of fun. Like I said, I won't tell you what happened. And it's not like we had to serve the the waiters food. That wasn't that wasn't what happened. But we talked to Raz's monk at the very end. That's a spoiler. And uh, you know, the thing is, he realizes that this is pretentious. He realizes he's charging hundreds and hundreds of dollars per meal. He could just donate this to you know a small village in Africa and feed them probably for two years. He he does understand that, but this is like he's like this is my skill. This is how I can contribute. So he's aware of the potential pretensions of it. So anyway, check it out. There's some articles online about alchemists you can check out, and you can check out my Instagram. But that's the very long answer to that question. You're specializing in these long answers these days, anybody? Well, there you go. This might be a long answer for you, Alif. This is from Ray. What is your Mount Rushmore of comedy? Top four, that's what it means. I hate this question so much. I love Ray. Thank you for submitting that question. But I, I hate this question so much just because it's so loaded in the sense that, first of all, it changes all the time yeah. who these greats are to me. Also, there are the greats, and then there's ones who influenced me specifically. Then there's also like this idea when you talk about Rushmore, you're talking sort of like about the godfathers, and then it leaves women out of the conversation because so few women were welcome into comedy for so many mm -hmm. years. Good point. That So I really hate this question, but I have to say that, and also, and also, you know, it leaves room for like, you can't deny, I personally can't deny the impact and the excitement I used to get from Louis C.K., right? So like, you're kind of, you got to rewrite history a little bit. You don't want that on your Mount Rushmore because he's such a creepy loser. So it's a very, very difficult question to ask, I would have to say. But I think Dave Chappelle would be up there. I think when I was starting to do comedy, it was like watching him was exciting and inspiring. And I just loved how he could go into something very serious to something completely absurd. And I liked that style. I liked his point of view. I liked his material, all of it. There's very little bad I could say about Dave Chappelle. These days is a little bit, you know, a little bit contentious, but that's another thing. That's the problem with the Mount Rushmore also. Bill Burr is another guy from day one. I just, mm -hmm. I just thought the world of this guy's comedy, you know, who knows what the world has in store for Bill Burr, but I do feel like he said plenty of offensive things. He's, he's not cancelable in a way because he just, he backs it all up. And in the end, just goes, I'm an idiot. What do I know? You know, he's, uh, mm. uh, I, I love his approach to comedy. I would say, this is weird, but because I really love storytelling. It's like, it's, you know, for me, there'd be like the Mount Rushmore of storytelling, the Mount Rushmore mm -hmm. of this, that. And then, you know, in five minutes you go, oh, you didn't want to put this guy on there? I'm like, oh God, mm -hmm. yeah, that guy too. But I do feel like Norm MacDonald, just for how he pushed the comedy envelope and, you know, not many people... In fact, very, very few people can approach comedy the way he did. Mm -hmm. And it's comedy in its purest form. Like nothing else mattered. It was all about the joke. He was fired from SNL because he was like, the joke is every. And I just listened to an, uh, an interview with uh, Jim Downey, who was head writer mm -hmm. yeah, on, on Saturday Night Live for many years. And he and Norm would work together. And it was like a reminder about like how, like this guy was truly, truly like a rebel and a dying breed in stand-up comedy and in and, and such a style, incomparable style. Nobody could be like mm -hmm. Norm. He really sort of stands alone. And then number four becomes like, should it be Richard Pryor? Should it be George mm -hmm. Carlin? You mm -hmm. know, is it, mm -hmm. uh, 
I know. Steve Martin. Steve Martin wouldn't be on my Mount Rushmore, no. but I okay. do love him. I, Mitch Hedberg, I thought his, oh, yeah. his joke writing, the amount of jokes he could fit. Even Stephen Wright, even though I don't bring up his name often yeah, enough, like great. that guy's joke writing, right? Like we're talking, if we're talking about joke. So it's, I hate your question, Ray. I okay, hate it so okay. much, but I'm going to put George Carlin on there. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Asif question from Val. This is in reference to our CPAP episode. Is it me or is this CPAP push like 20 years ago when so many dentists fitted us with mouth guards? Yeah, I guess, yeah, the sleep apnea, Val, CPAP Val's cut episode. from the same yeah. cloth as Ali Hassan. Yeah, That's she's skeptical about that. Yeah, 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 it's interesting. I mean, I never got fitted for a mouth guard, so I don't know. I think it, part of it is, like most things in life, it's a combination of, of several things. I think part of it, it was with mouth guards, say for sleep apnea, that was thought that in a subset of people could help, right? And so perhaps that was what was doing it and maybe there was not enough evidence we just thought we should just do it for everyone part of it may be money making for dentists as, as i think she's implying and then of course with the advent of cpap when we realize that we can use cpap for other things not just like lung disease but for sleep apnea as well which is more of an upper respiratory problem and then of course it's the cpap manufacturers who are like okay we can make a home version of this we can make it so the average person can tolerate this you don't need to be like a respiratory therapist to set it up right we could do it for home use and then pushing that and then the scientists in respirology developing the evidence for CPAP. So I think it's a bit of both. It probably is a bit of manufacturers trying to push it because there's a bottom line that they can make from it. But also I think the scientific evidence has evolved to that. It's funny that you know, that's all there is, right? There's like CPAP, maybe mouth guards and surgery. Like you think there would have been a bit more advances in sleep apnea, but they will be in the future. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, Val. I know that doesn't really satisfy your um She wants me to be more negative. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. But I satisfied the negativity earlier about the Mount Rushmore of comments. Yeah, that's right. So. Well, hey, here's a negative or oh, a question about negativity from Travis. Ali, what's the worst thing you've seen an audience member do? Oh, I like that. <laughs> so I was at Absolute Comedy in Toronto. There was also like this huge excitement in the air. This new club had opened because Yuck Yucks is a chain in Canada. So when a new club opens, you have some hope. You know, you want to be, you want to have other options to be very Canadian here. You don't want to just have the Air Canada option. You want to have other airlines as well. So this new club opens, it's the, it's second location in Canada. And there was a lot of excitement about it. And it was starting to fill in. People were coming in and a great place to perform. And I wasn't hosting that night. I was like the first comic to go on. And I went on and this guy has his feet on the stage. Like he's leaning back in his chair, his arms across, he's put his feet on the stage. Now, I'm not sure if I can impart to people how disrespectful that is. Like if you worked at an office, you're like, oh, is that like somebody comes and sits on your desk? No, it's not that. It's <laughs> like, it's like if you're working in a Google doc and they get into the same Google doc. And you're like, hey, you don't work here. You don't need to be in this document. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. Beat it. Lose it. Like it's, it's so unbelievably intimate. You know, it's like mm -hmm. if you were like a plumber or somebody who works with different tools, works with their hands and somebody's just like sort of fiddling through your toolbox, you know, mm -hmm. it's really, yeah. really intimate. And so a common line by comedians are like, hey, let me ask you, sir, do you work here? No, then get your legs off the stage. You know, they, they do something like that. Mm -hmm. 
or just like, sir, can you not have your legs on the stage, please? This is my space, something. But this guy was talking so loudly and confidently to the girl beside him. I thought he was like a studio executive or something. He was so unbelievably confident that I couldn't say, I was like, and I was young in comedy, you know, four or five years in. And I'm like, I'm so confused about what this guy's going, like, I wanted to tell him, take your feet off, but his confidence made me think he's a television executive or something. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? This is like so crazy. So I get off stage and I tell another one of the comedians, I'm like, this guy in the front, who is that guy? And people are like, I don't know. I don't know. And we're all looking from the back as comedians. I'm like, this guy has his feet on the stage, which is driving me insane. And oh, you know what he was doing? He was like, when I would tell a joke, he would turn and go, you see what he did there? He blah, blah, blah. And that's why, so he, that's called a callback. But he's like explaining my jokes oh my to this God. girl beside Anyway, finally, the headliner goes on and is like, uh, sir, you've been a pain in the ass since the beginning. I'm going to ask you to shut up or get out of here, right? The headliner doesn't care. I love the confidence on that and get out of here. And the guy crosses his arms and goes, I'm not going anywhere. And the girl beside him is going like red, embarrassed, right? And he goes, either you get your feet off the stage and you shut up, or I'm going to have security remove you. So security, finally, it's like back and forth. This guy has derailed the entire show, comes and gets him and pulls him out, like drags him out of the chair. Which is very, you don't see that very often. Mm. More often, security is made of comedians who just want to work in the club <laughs> and they're not there to rough people up. Mm. So these guys, like it's three people, one guy's moving the chair, two guys have their hands and there's like gasps from the crowd and he's like kicking and screaming. And I think he was doing some kind of like, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? The girl stays. And so the headliner goes, all right, folks, very, very sorry about that. And he says to the, the, this woman, he goes, you don't want to go with your boyfriend? He's on his own tonight. And she goes, that's our first date. I don't even know that guy. And everybody erupted. It was like this amazing mm. sort of moment. So then the comedian has some time. And then this table of four people invited her to come back a little bit, like 10 feet and sit with them. So she made sort of this group of friends. That was a great thing. I'm off stage since about 45 minutes. So I'm sitting close to the exit at the bar, this guy. So there's the showroom and then there's this outside room. This guy, he is grabbing on to the door frame. They're trying to get him out, throw him out. And he's grabbed onto the door frame so that they cannot push him out of the place. And he's yelling. And I was watching this. I was like, what, what is going on here? What are you trying to prove? Finally, they pushed him out. And then like, we're calling the cops, we're calling the cops. You want to deal with the cops? Great. But that's what's happening. Get out of here where the cops have been, cops are on their way. Blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 15 minutes. This man is crying. He's outside. He's bawling. My mother died. You don't understand, man. I'm sorry, but I'm my, my life is, uh, I was like, what, what is happening right now? <laughs> All the emotions that a human being can have, this guy had. <laughs> and almost ruined someone's night and a show. And it just turned out it was just like an obnoxious guy with some really deep-seated problems. But when he wouldn't even allow himself to be kicked out, like grabbing, nobody wants you here, dude. What is, what are you fighting for? Nobody likes you. <laughs> that was the worst. And then also me not dealing with him. Mm -hmm. When I found out later, he's a nobody. He was just a pompous, arrogant jerk that ate away at me for years that I wouldn't tell somebody 
that this is my space, get mm-hmm. your feet off the space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally two, three years I thought about that guy. Mm-hmm. So there's other stories, definitely, but that's the one that comes to mind first. But, at le- you know, at least you learn. Like, you learn from that, and you're not going to let that happen again. Um, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's why I do theaters now, because the stage is too high for anyone to put their feet on. That's <laughs> why I do it. Good one. Yeah. Okay, so this next question actually is for both of us. Mm-hmm. Probably more for you because you have a better memory of these things. But so Allison is asking, I'm just listening to your podcast about John Mulaney and wondering if, oh, this was an email. This is a question we got a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Listening to your podcast about John Mulaney, wondering if the child you discussed in the audience was real. When I saw John Mulaney live in my hometown, the same 11 year old was in the audience here. At the time, we wondered if he was a plant. Mulaney's end of the conversation was so smooth and funny. When he had the same conversation with the same quote unquote unseen 11 year old on his Netflix special, we assume there's no kid and it's part of his bit. What do you think? So it's interesting. Ali and I talked about this after the episode. We thought about including this in the episode as well, a discussion about this. So just so you know, basically, you know, John is talking about some very controversial stuff about himself. And he's like, oh, there's an 11-year-old up there. And the 11-year-old in his special is on the balcony, right? So it's like, how would he know there was somebody up there? They don't show him on screen. So I'm like, that is weird. But it sounds like it's all made up, right? Because why would Allison have seen something similar in her hometown? But the answer to this, as with most answers in life, is on Reddit. So if you go to Reddit, and then a bunch of people ask the same sort of question, Mm. and what it turns out is, I think it's a combination of things. The bit is the same part. What John Mulaney says, like, oh, there's an 11-year-old here, you know, what's what's your name, you know, whatever, and, and has that interaction with the same jokes in every city but there really is a kid in all all the places because some places are like no the kid was sitting like a few rows away from me i saw them and the kid was like shocked at being called out so i don't believe it's a plant like it would be very unusual what's happening there is john is probably like asking his opening comedians or asking somebody on staff to be like tell me if there's any kids in the show yeah i can use that Tell that's me right. physics. That's, so th- that's, that's right. Like that's right. Time. And they find that they find the kid. They got it. Maybe they even know his name. Like they found, like, you know. And then that's how it goes from there. So interesting question. So like I said, I think it's a bit of both, as per Reddit. Right. The worry there is that then a kid does show up thinking like I'm going to be celebrated, and then they're like putting up their hand and going, "I'm a kid." I'm a kid. It's like a What about the joke? Yeah, the joke. That that's when a comedian, like, given a comedian, most comedians frame of mind they go like i don't care about you kid you want the attention beat it i'll right. give you the attention on my own terms you know? right exactly allison has a double question she said also in response to the episode on the top tv comedies of 2000s how could you say that about modern family what did we say about it and she agrees that the person who plays luke is a bad actor well, I yeah, well, that is true. I think we. But so what did quite, we say about Modern Family? Well, you you liked it and you put it on your top ten. And I didn't, oh. and I was like, I don't know, Allison. My like my opinion is still the same. I think it's funny. I think it is laugh out loud funny. Ty Burrell is a comedic genius. There's so many good things about it, but I do feel, especially as it went on, it fell into a few tropes again. Like I said, Mitch and Claire being like the nags all the time. This is the interesting thing. When people ask about a show, I just automatically delete 
the later seasons off of every ah, single yes. show. I'm not even thinking about, like, if you ask me about the U.S. office and I say, so good, I'm not thinking about when mm. Will Ferrell came in, even though I love Will Ferrell. I'm not thinking about the last two or even three seasons. That is irrelevant. When we talk about Arrested Development, we are not talking about that Netflix portion of it. You know what I mean? I just dilly. Same thing goes for Modern Family. I'm probably talking about five seasons. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. And that, that's which a, is, which is unfair that yeah. people don't know that yeah. I'm doing that because most people probably take yeah. it as a whole. Yeah, it's unfair I'm to like, me. Yeah. Because Alice package, is yelling at me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mean. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, this is actually several people have asked me this, including uh, one of my friends, Sony. He asked me this question several months ago. So more than one listener. Is the bye at the end of the show that you say, Ali, is that from Smartless, the, the Man, podcast? it wasn't supposed to be. It just sort of happened organically. I listen to Smartless quite a bit. I listen to it, like the first 10 episodes, I listen to all of them. And now I'm sort of more picky and choosy. You know, if it's mm -hmm. like a NASCAR driver, I'm like, ah, that's not really my thing. Mm -hmm. I would cut out afterwards because, you know, the show takes long pauses for advertisements and so I'm used to sort of like, let me just, and even the beginning of it, the beginning of it is a little bit sort of rambly. So I forward through that show. So I wasn't even like listening at the end because at the end they would always be like, God, that Jack Black, he's great, isn't he? He's really great. Like there wasn't, they weren't really saying anything. Unlike on Conan, he has something after his interview ends that's a little bit more meaty on Conan Needs a Friend. So I wasn't even realizing that I was doing that. And then one day I listened to the entire episode just because of whatever I was, you know, going for a walk and I didn't want to reach for my phone and, and I heard it at the end and I'm like, oh my God, this is a shtick they do. They always find a way to be like, and that's why I'm not going to be homosexual anymore. I'm going to be bisexual or something like that. And then they would just find a way to put the word bi in anything. And I was like, oh, this must have just gotten organically into my brain, yeah. and now yeah. i'm part so yeah i i know i sound like a guy who just ripped something off from smartless let's call it an ode to smartless because i do love the show and i i love all three of those guys there's there's stuff i love about all of them let me say that and yeah it's an ode to smartless it okay. wasn't intended as such but you're not going to hear me be like I, I i started at first i did it on my own and they they copied me <laughs> They copied us, for God's yeah, sake. Oh, my God. No, let's call it a tip of the cap to Smartless. Our friend Hassan is asking a question for both of us, but I don't understand the question. Are movie theaters going the way of drive-ins? Oh, does he mean, are they removing the roofs from movie theaters? Is that what he means? <laughs> Do you have to drive into the actual cars? movie theater? No, I think what he's getting at is with the advent of streaming, two things, advent of streaming and... The COVID pandemic, people are like, I'm just going to wait for this movie and stream it at home. Plus, some movies, so the new Martin Scorsese, DiCaprio, De Niro movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, just came out on Apple TV hmm. Plus. So I'm going to watch it there. It's not even like maybe you could go watch it in theater. I don't know how I would do that. So this is like, sounds like an amazing movie, probably the best movie of the year, just come out only on streaming. So he's like, is it going to be like people just won't go to the movie theater? We've seen some blockbusters. I think the Fast X, like the most recent Fast and Furious, didn't perform as well. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. You're telling me the 13th well. movie in a movie franchise didn't do that well? It was the 10th. X, X is the uh, Roman numeral for 10. But anyway. 
me. <laughs> Felt like 13, all right? Yeah, there we like go. I've been going so on. I, I think, so I think that's what he's getting at. So it's going to be like drive-ins. Like, oh, it's a drive-in. What a unique thing. This small town has a drive-in. But, you know, otherwise, movie theaters are not going to be used. So what, what do you think? Oh, I thought you were saying going the way of drive-ins in the sense that nobody goes to them anymore. Yeah, that's what he said. That is what you, okay, all right. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't say those exact words. Well, I know. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember hearing big, important people saying, we're in deep, deep trouble here. I remember feeling a little bit of like, this is like a, a little bit of sweet justice. You know, you're charging obscene amount of money for us to see theaters. Now take a little bit of a hit. And then the hit just continued and continued. And now I don't feel that way anymore. I feel a little bit sad about what's happening with movie theaters and that experience. But I mean, it's, it's sort of this, I'm sure you can track it starting with the home movie theater pre-COVID. There were people who set up things in their own home. They spent a lot of money on speakers and sound equipment and great televisions. And it's like, I can just be here and I don't have to turn to somebody and go, shh, can you not talk? I'm trying to watch, right? Like you can see the value of setting up seating exactly the way you like it in your own home. Mm -hmm. You add germs into the equation. Of course, it's like a nightmare, right? Now yeah. you're really like, oh, now I'm going to, the thing I never even thought I wanted to invest in, I'm going to get a home theater system because I can't be around people that close and all that. And now it's a whole other thing, you know, when you talk about cost of living and prioritizing your money spending and all that, like how many people want it. And you're mm -hmm. already spending money on streamers. So right, I, think, yeah. I think they're in trouble. I think the movie theaters are in trouble. I remember, I think it was just last year, Top Gun, the second Top Gun comes out and it's Steven Spielberg shaking Tom Cruise's hands just off the side to a, of a red carpet, but they caught it. He's going, you save this mm -hmm. effing industry, right? And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, that's where we're at, where one guy is, it's all, it's all in Tom Cruise. What would Tom Cruise do is what we're mm -hmm. all asking ourselves. How do we get Tom Cruise in our movie? And that made me feel like how precarious this all is, where, where Stephen is saying that to, to, to one guy. And mind you, it's the guy, but. Right, but the proof is you wait a year, and again, Mission Impossible did fine, but it didn't. It didn't Mission break Impossible. The, his, so what I'm saying is, so oh, he after saved, Top he saved Hollywood. Then the next year, his Mission Impossible comes out and didn't do that well. So did he really save Hollywood? So I think I think Hassan is right. I think they are going the way of drive-ins, but it's also going to be up to movie makers to make films that people actually want to go see. And we talked about one of them early on. Barbie grossed over a billion dollars. Oppenheimer, huge hit. People want to go to the theater to see these movies. Mm. Whereas I think the ones that are going to have a real problem is, and horror movies, people often want to go see in movie theaters to get that communal experience. You'd think it'd be the same for comedies, but from my reading of the entertainment magazines, which are online now, that comedies and romantic comedies romance kind of movies are they're going to be probably just streaming because they won't be able to make their money back in theaters so we're right. going to see basically big event movies being in the theaters but even then i just gave you some examples fast and the furious uh, mission impossible where they are big event movies and nobody was that interested in seeing them so it's going to have to be something that really appeals to people and the only way you're going to get the great experience like an avatar is to go to the theater yeah, there's another element too. I just listened a couple of months ago to an um, interview. Judd Apatow, I think, was on Conan. I mm -hmm. think it was on Conan. And they were talking about AI. 
And that's why I'm like, was it Conan? Was, does he ask AI related questions? But anyway, it was a great interview. And Judd was just like, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about you have these companies that own film studios and they're not even in the business of movie making. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like whatever general electric or something. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. some other company that owns a movie studio. So now they start looking at algorithms, what performs well, and that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you're looking at bottom and he goes, what happens in the process or what will inevitably happen is you will never see another taxi driver. You will never see it. He named a few movies that are these incredible classic films that have an indie vibe to them that are just, you know, I don't know what the right word is to describe them, yeah. but yeah. I don't want to they're say cult vision, they're, they're a vision, they're unique, yeah? Yeah, you just won't see them. Yeah. And he goes, that's going to really dilute this space. It's really going to be not about the things that we love about movies. It's going to be Fast and Furious and, and, and Top Guns. Agreed, and there's already been some articles written about how Hollywood has probably made the wrong decisions following barbie they're like yeah barbie was a huge hit okay we're gonna do this is true we're gonna do a hot wheels uh, movie we're gonna do a poly pocket movie we're gonna you're missing the point what you did is you took a name brand that was recognizable and you hired an amazing director slash writer in greta gerwig and you hired a actress producer and margot robbie who knows what they're doing and has and they all had a vision for what they're going to do and they create like i said it's such a unique movie that's what you did but they're taking the wrong lessons for it they're like what other toys can we make a movie out of you're missing the point anyway good question from hassan yeah very good hassan even though i pretended not to know what you meant Mm. it took me some time Question for Asif from Ben. I would love to hear your thoughts on hospital parking fees. Ben, we were actually going to do an episode on this. Do they need to be that high for people who are in need of medical treatment or for the people who are visiting those in need? And where does that money go? Yes, Asif. Oh, that's it, Ben. Hold Asif's feet to the fire. Where's that money? Is it in your pocket? So uh, it's a very good question. Maybe we should do a full episode on this. It would probably be useful. But the short story is that money goes to pay for hospital expenses, especially in Canada. Someplace in the U.S., at certain hospitals, private hospitals that make a lot of money, parking is free because they have so much money that they can make parking mm. free. They try to attract people to their hospital, right? Because they want you to go to their hospital versus another one and so or their clinic. And because of that, one of the attractions is free parking in downtown, whatever big city in, mm-hmm. in, in the U.S., but that's what it goes to. It goes to that. And, uh, but I do understand the question because it's concerning, right? And I think about this, you know, a family sees their child, the child maybe passed away or is ex- doing extremely poorly. They're in the ICU and they've had a horrible day and they just need to get home. And then they go to the parking tenant. That would be uh, $22, please. Come on child died, your child is very sick. And I, sorry, I, I don't mean to be so extreme, but this happens. And then people are like, no, 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 but they can just see the social worker and get a, you know, a, a free parking pass for the day. Okay, you're going to think about that when you have a million things going through your mind about how sick your child is, or God forbid they pass away. So I do have a bit of a problem with that. But I asked somebody, one of my colleagues who's much more experienced than me, she's like, as if they will never not charge for parking. It's never happening. It's mm. too much for revenue. So maybe we need to talk about it on a full episode, but very insightful question. Okay. 
And we save some random questions for the end here. Yeah, right? these are, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, here's one for you. I'll leave from Janice. When are you treating your hernia? Yeah, it's not so much a random question as it is an invasive question. Mind your own business, Janice. No, I am currently shooting a sitcom and uh, I don't know if all sitcoms do this or what, but sometimes a week or two weeks ahead, I, I don't know my schedule. Right. Even though I know I'm booked till yeah, which makes mid, recording this podcast November. very difficult. Yeah, I know. Asif <laughs> brought up a really sore subject, Janice. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm on a couple of radio shows on on CBC. They're like, can you record this day? And I'm like, I don't know. It's terrible. So I certainly can't go for the hernia until after you know in later November. But I should probably get a pre look at this this old gal. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, yeah, like maybe make an appointment with your doctor now, and then he can check it out and refer you. Mm. I don't like my doctor touching me is the problem. Yeah, okay, fair enough. No, it's not the problem. I'm inventing problems that don't exist. Janice, thank you for the extra encouragement. Is that what's cloaked in this question? <laughs> I will be doing that before the end of this year. That is a, a priority. I don't need to be looking at this weird thing for the rest of my life. Okay. Asif. Question from you from Reb. Reb, do you feel guilty when you drink Diet Coke or have you just accepted that it is part of your life? Yeah, you know what? I mean, Reb's a friend of mine. I like this. We question. did a whole episode, very highly downloaded episode, by the way, Ali. Our last one we did on artificial sweeteners. Very lot of our follow up. Interest. Yeah, the follow up one. Lots of interest in that one. So this is, I mean, I think in relation to that, listen, Reb. I have just accepted, yeah, as a part of life, yeah. That's basically what I've done because I don't drink coffee, right? So in order to like stay awake for work or for getting up early and doing a podcast or being on call, I kind of need to have that, but I'm not that interested in the sugar that's coming with that. So I've kind of accepted that as, as my lot in life, though I do, like I'm going on vacation today for four days. We're going with the family. As soon as we finish this podcast, we're leaving to go to Las Vegas for a couple of days and we're going to take in that U2 show at the Sphere. So I'll tell everybody about that afterwards. But when I go on vacation, I try and like eliminate caffeine for the vacation, take a little break from that. Can so. you just imagine that for a moment, folks? You're, you're going to another country. There's packing to be done. Everybody's got to figure out if they're organized. There's four of you in a family and your spouse goes, I'm just going to record a podcast. I can't. You're starting your vacation on a, on a negative note. I, I love that you're here, of course, Asif, and a lot of this is my fault because of my schedule, but I can't believe you're doing this. All right, last question from Vince. Why does Asif roll his eyes all the time? I mean, I can't answer that, uh, well, Asif. That has I to be you. How, this is an audio podcast. How you does must have Vince seen some know of that? Our, uh, must have seen some of our video clips because I mention it a lot, including half an hour ago, I mentioned- I was going to say right now. <laughs> Well, yeah, that too. But no, I was talking about Amethyst. Amethyst? Alchemist. 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 Like, that should be an eye-rolling experience. Right, right. It isn't. So it really speaks to the restaurant, uh, to be honest. Yeah, and it's, you know, we are all definitely proud of our children for many reasons. But yes, their mighty eye rolls have really, really made me proud of how they're doing it. It's really- And they get that from you, obviously. Obviously. But why do you do it? Okay, what? <laughs> why? Why? The question was, why does Asif roll his eyes all the time? Not to be proud of his children. Come on. So, folks, that's Asif, I roll Doja, dodging a question at the end. 
just put it on his children. And they're making him proud. We don't know why he rolls his eyes, Vince, but if we ever find out, we'll let you know. Thank you so much for sending in these questions via DM, via Gmail. Our Gmail, by the way, is drvcomedian at gmail.com. If you have future questions, we'll air them sometime, uh, maybe another episode like this, or just in the preamble to an episode, we'll answer something. And in, in some cases, it gives us ideas for future episodes. Uh, hospital parking fees was one that we were already sort of sitting on and we'll get back to that and dig into that a little bit deeper. So thank you for Ben, for that question that we, um, you know, little, little, little extra nudge in that direction. Oh yeah. Yeah. And make sure you reach out to us on social media as well. Dr. V comedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues, we talk about it for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.